We are talking about some of the biggest philosophies of our day. We're calling this series How to Destroy the World in 10 Simple Steps. And so we're dealing with a lot of ideologies. Some will be familiar, I would assume, for most people, and some maybe are a little bit more obscure. Mm -hmm. But these are ideologies that are growing in influence, that are super important in terms of how our culture is is being shaped and progressing. And progressing, I mean, that in probably not the best way. No, uh, <laughs> definitely not. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, like, uh, progress in an egg, it would be called going bad. And so there's right. a point where, you know, it's the same in our culture. But one of the clearest ways we can see, you know, we talked about previously step, steps one and two around postmodernism and Marxism. Now we're going to deal with step three, which is about intersectionality. And really intersectionality is sort of a manifestation of those prior beliefs of postmodernism and Marxism. And so there's a lot of things about it that are interesting and probably some, some insights we glean that are good. But the question for us today is how do we respond to this idea of intersectionality and should we just reject it or should we try to glean good things from mm-hmm. it? Like what should be our response? And so in order to define this, we should first, or in order to think about this, we need to define it first. So right. can you give us a definition of intersectionality? Yeah. So I mean, intersectionality of all the 10 steps we're going to be talking about is probably the one you're most familiar with. It's, it's everywhere in our world. It's really expressed in other ones. Like critical race theory is kind of an out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Subset almost. Yeah. So this is really foundational to all these critical theories we're going to be talking about in line with uh, postmodernism and Marxism like we talked about. But intersectionality originally was a descriptive tool. So basically trying to point out the fact that people have different experiences based on the different categories or groups that they're part of. Yeah, and the intersection of those groups, right? Right, yeah. So it's especially the case that it's it's meant to highlight the fact that some groups are more oppressed than other groups. So it, it highlights things based on your race, gender, sexuality, um, characteristics like these that some groups within those are more oppressed than others. So if you meet more than one at the same time, they intersect, then you're more oppressed than yeah. someone else. So for instance, a straight white male, the uh, definition of a non-oppressed person would be not as oppressed as, say, a um, black woman. And that would be more oppressed because you are part of the the black group and the woman group, which are both oppressed groups within this paradigm. And so to kind of... But then if you were a black woman who was also lesbian, you'd be even more oppressed. Right. Right. So you're adding intersections there. So a common way it's illustrated, and this is probably where the name comes from, is this illustration that you could think of it as if the person is someone standing in the middle of a uh, traffic intersection, basically. And the number of oppressed groups they're part of is the number of lanes of traffic basically feeding into this intersection. So if you're... A straight white male, this obviously doesn't exist, but you're in the middle of an intersection with no cars coming at you. So you're totally safe from oppression. You're fine. But if you're a black trans woman, you're part of at least three. See, now you're in the middle of an intersection with at least three lanes of traffic coming through it. So you're more likely to get hit by a car, aka you're more likely to be oppressed because yeah. there's multiple directions that this oppression is coming from. Super interesting. And this, the groups yeah. are typically... Correct me if I'm missing anything here, but they're racial groups, sexual groups, gender, um, disability is mm-hmm. also a big one, right? Like 
differently abled would be the right way to put it probably right o- obese right so people that are mm-hmm. in the what we're gonna see fat studies later yeah not my term mm-hmm. the term of the academy right um but there are other groups that don't make that list obviously right so for me personally i'm left-handed i feel very oppressed at all the right-handed things out there that you know and i'm big and you don't <laughs> understand this because you're in the privileged <laughs> class of being small and so you just fit like a nice little you know, compact little doll wherever you go. And for me, like <laughs> cars don't fit me, planes don't fit me, all that stuff. So I feel like those should be added in, but you know, it's part of my cross to bear, I guess. I mean, you could also say that being short like me is also a bummer. People don't no. like that. Except on the basketball court. That's, yeah, on the yeah. basketball court, obviously. Yeah, I'm I will oppress very, you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's to get revenge for all the flights I've had uh, where I've right. been folded up. <laughs> like <laughs> I fit nice and easy. You're I right. actually went on a really cheap airline. This is totally off topic, but really cheap airline in Europe called Ryanair. It's like $100 to fly to like a different country. It's super wow. cheap. But I literally could not put my legs down. <laughs> it was so it was so cramped and so just terrible. So anyway, that's, that's my, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there we go. But, but, like, you know, <laughs> uh, but on a serious level, obviously there are a lot of, you know, historic oppression of having different groups, of right. course. No yeah. one's going to deny that. But um, but let's kind of dig into a little bit more and we'll, we'll see, I think, some of the, the problems with the view. Yeah. So, I mean, as you mentioned already, it's this is basically built on the first two steps we talked about, just these underlying beliefs in society about postmodernism and Marxism. So postmodernism, basically talking about the fact that there's no objective truth, there's no meta narrative that uh, describes reality as it is. Rather, people create their own reality or culture constructs it. And so my truth versus your truth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically what I deem to be true might not be what you deem, but somehow they can both be true in a weird sense at the same time, even yeah. if they're contradictory. And then also Marxism is at play here because Marxism basically views all of the world as a battle between different uh, classes that are seeking to have power over one another, to oppress one another. And so yeah. this is where this comes from is basically seeing that these groups are by nature oppressive or uh, oppressed. And so even if it's not necessarily based on reality, this narrative is basically built to describe how the world is. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, and you can definitely see the Marxist, again, moving from what original Marxism was, which was class struggles, so right. rich versus poor, to now, I mean, there is, there's a lot of opportunity out there, so people can move from class to class if they work hard. So what you, you kind of shift that towards the, so, the cultural Marxism of different races, different you know groups of sexuality whatever and those are now at war with each other but it's the same basic principle of your your discontent with who you are and with what you've been given in life and you're envious of other people and right. and that is always a bad thing it's always a bad thing to not be thankful for what you've been given and to envy someone else for what they've been given right so yeah anyway so um so you said so. So intersectionality was initially descriptive, right? Yeah. But now it's it's moved more into the prescriptive realm. So can you can you kind of explain that? Yeah. So I mean, basically the difference between those words. So descriptive is basically um, talking about the fact that intersectionality is talking about what is, and so it's just saying the world is like this. People have different experiences based on their different identity groups, and so that's all it's saying. 
But now it's basically taking the turn that's prescriptive, basically attributing a moral uh, obligation people have based on that description, which is that now we that we identified who those oppressed people are. Now we have to work as a society to empower those people. Yeah. So moving from what is and is observed to what ought to be and, you know, moral imperatives. Right. Well, if you, we have to fix this and the fix is always going to be through, it seems like radical left-wing socialist, you know, means. Right. So, yeah. So the way to fix the fact that people have been truly oppressed throughout history, like, you know, black folks in America and other places too, but there's there's obviously real uh, historic oppression there. Of course, the way yeah. to fix that now is to take money from people that are different skin colors, right? Pay reparations. Yeah, yeah. reparations. We we saw. I think I mentioned this already, but we saw we see seen in uh, San Francisco mm-hmm. just recently this, this bill proposed to give five million dollars to each black resident plus a hundred thousand dollars a year for the rest of their lives plus a one dollar house. Wow, right. you heard this, about this? This is crazy. No, wow. no, this is, and it's one of the one of the best examples of how insane this is, right? right. That well, that's not gonna. That's all. That's gonna do is create more problems and more oppression, if you want to use that word, mm-hmm. in the here and now by taking right. millions from white people, Asian people, Latino people, right, right, and giving to people that they've never done anything in many cases, <laughs> right. right, never done anything yeah. bad against. And now that's just going to increase the hatred and increase the division. It's not going right. to help fix anything. Seems so strange. And I mean, in addition to things like that politically, there's also just culturally a movement to empower people within a oppressed group. So you see that just in every movie you ever watch, all the good guys are the people that are part of the oppressed groups and the bad yeah. guys are the people that are uh, the oppressor groups. And yeah. it seems like they're just trying to paint this picture, kind of almost demonizing people that aren't part of these groups as if they certainly are oppressors, even disregarding who they are as an individual. You know? For sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you've seen that slow change. Is it true 100% of the time? No. Yeah. But it, it's yeah. more and more frequent of like, okay, this guy's a straight white male. He's going to be a serial killer, right? right? Especially if they're a pastor. That's yeah, just like that's, automatic. That's they're going to be the worst person group. in the world. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> um, Christians are inherently oppressors in this viewpoint, right? Right. Uh, but also, I you know I watched. I sh- I'm, I'm going to put this on video, so here here goes. So I'm ashamed to say this, but me and my wife watched Downton Abbey oh. when it came out, or not when it came out, when our baby came out, when <laughs> when Lucy was born. So a few years back, and I think that was like that show was started in like 2010 or something like that. And the bad guy in the first couple of seasons is homosexual. Mm-hmm. And that was very like startling for us. If you don't really see that anymore, you don't see, you don't see that. And of course it's like anyone could be a bad guy, but they did a, like a reboot movie in 2022. And the, the guy who had previously, been bad, of course he kind of had a redemption in his story arc, mm-hmm. but in the, that movie I said to Laura, I was like, they're going to have him get married in this to a man mm-hmm. because they want to bring, they want to redeem his story and they want to right. say like, we weren't bad, but we're not, you know, we're not those people anymore. We're now good. Yeah. And of course, very predictably by the end, he, he finds true love and oh, everyone's boy. like in this, you know, the twenties or whatever is like homosexuality is awesome. You know, everyone's like all uh-huh. for it. Um, but you, you can see that change of you can't have negative impressions of, of people that are in these kind of oppressed groups. That's increasingly becoming the norm. Yeah. It makes entertainment very dull. Because it's so predictable. <laughs> so it's predictable like, every time. Okay, I get it. Yeah. I get it. You know? yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So are there, what are the positives of intersectionality, if any? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, intersectionality as a descriptive tool is helpful in some ways, just recognizing that people are different. The world is complex. Not everyone is exactly the same. Yeah. And people um, have different experiences that inform the decisions they make and what they do. And that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So we want to want to be fair, you know, and say, okay, there's some good things that it points out. I don't know that we needed this kind of intersectionality viewpoint to know those things that it's kind of everyone knew. Yeah, Yeah. of course. But but to be fair, I think there are some things that yeah, okay, different life circumstances can lead to different outcomes. You know, people have different viewpoints on the world. What are some of the negatives of intersectionality according to scripture? Yeah. So with intersectionality, like we talked about, it's kind of a it's a product of postmodernism and Marxism which we've already talked about in other videos, so I won't talk a ton about this, but just the underlying principles that make intersectionality possible are totally against scripture. I mean, the postmodern principle that there's no objective truth, there's no way to define reality as it is, regardless of what people think, is the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches because the Bible claims to be the word of God that defines all of reality regardless of what we think. And so it's totally opposed yeah, and it also, even as much as we just said, it kind of it acknowledges the complexity of life. Yeah, there's a real sense in which it doesn't acknowledge the complexity of life because it's it sorts everyone out and it says, you know, uh, you know, dark skin oppressed, white right. skin oppressor. There's people are hated for all kinds of reasons under the sun, right. you know, and obviously it it's selective about what it picks. One of those things is, like I said, Christians are seen as inherently oppressors. Mm-hmm. And while you could make an argument in terms of, you know, Great Britain or some parts of Europe and stuff, and obviously tons of evil things have been done in the name of Christ. Yeah. Look at the world today and try to make the argument that the, that Christians are the oppressors <laughs> when Christians are being killed in large numbers. Christianity is illegal in many places, right? The, the, the right. Muslim world, people are dying yeah. all the time because they're believe, believers in Jesus. But China or, you just kind of yeah. paint with this broad brush of, well, you know, if you're dark-skinned, you must be oppressed. If you're Christian, you must be oppressor. If you're straight, you're an oppressor. Like, right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just overriding the reality of individuals and just replacing it with, if you're part of this group, you're yeah. definitely oppressed. Yes, exactly. So let, let's go through some of the reasons why Christians should reject intersectionality. Yeah, so uh, we got four reasons. The first is what we were kind of just talking about. It's the fact that it doesn't really line up with reality as it is. And so as Christians, I mean, John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so I just highlight that verse because uh, as Christians, we want to believe what's true, what actually lines up with reality, what lines up with God's word because God's word is truth. And so, and truth is valuable in and of itself, yeah. and truth is valuable because of its results, right? Like John right. eight, the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. So truth brings freedom, it brings light, it brings life, it brings hope, right? So if you if you live in a world that is clouded by false these false beliefs, it's going to lead you to a bad outcome. Yeah. So so both are true. Yeah. So just like we we're talking about basically saying that if you're part of this group, you're definitely oppressed. And if you're part of these non-oppressed groups, you're definitely not oppressed. It doesn't line up with reality because there seem to be circumstances when the exact opposite of ch- is true. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, think of uh, Barack Obama, the president of the United States. It's hard to say in his position that he was 
an oppressed person. Yet there's so or especially much, his kids, right? Or his kids, yeah. yeah. Like so, his kids are because maybe I don't know his history or whatever. But yeah, okay. his kids are born. I mean, they weren't born in the White House, but they spent years in the White House in the spotlight. Right going to whatever school they want to go to just yeah. by nature of who their dad is. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's just a reality in this world. So to, yeah, to call them oppressed compared to uh, a, a child, a white kid whose parents are drug addicts in Appalachia or something, right? The stereotype, right. but you know, some bad situation like that, like how could you say that one is, you know, the, the one is an oppressor because of his white skin and one is oppressed because of their dark skin. Right. Makes no sense. Yeah. It doesn't line up with, what's actually happening. And so what oppression is, is it lines up with, okay, when someone's actually being oppressed, something unfair is happening to them basically. And so that's how you define what oppression is, not what your skin color is or what your sexuality is. Yeah. And so it seems to to confuse individuals and groups and trying to, to shove everyone into groups and then define oppression based off of that. And often based upon past oppression, which is like, well, you know, or very flimsy evidence from today. You know, obviously there are discrepancies between groups. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be discrepancies between groups. Right. The question is, is there, you know, a law in place or something actually substantial that is functioning to oppress, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, so th- th- that's that's a problem. And also within this view of truth and the way that this obscures the truth is the idea of standpoint epistemology, Right. which it kind of sounds like a big phrase, but epistemology is kind of how we know what we know. Mm-hmm. And standpoint being, because you are a, in a certain group, you have an access to knowledge that other people don't have. So, and this you, you hear this kind of worked out in different ways of, well, men can't talk about abortion because it's a women's issue and only women can understand it. Well, no, that's, that's not true. I mean, there's certain aspects of that experience, of course, a guy can't understand, but the facts of it are very clear and they're laid out in scripture. Right. Or, you know, you can go into different areas, but, oh, you can't speak to this because you're not this skin color, because you're not, you know, in this oppressed group. And even in the Christian world, sad to say, this viewpoint that we need to have people of all different ethnicities or all different, even sexual you know, orientations, quote unquote, um, that are interpreting scripture. Because without a gay interpretation of scripture, you're not going to be able to understand it because you're just a straight guy. You know, right. I mean, so th- that's a huge, I mean, this, you could talk about this a long yeah, time, but <laughs> just the interpretation of scripture isn't based on the reader. It's the goal is to understand what the author intended when they're writing. And so that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't change based on my standpoint. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, of course, we're all going to bring different things to the table, but yeah. it's not that your skin color or your gender is what makes you able to access right. knowledge. That's, right. that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so that's one thing, and, and we'll go through the next few quicker yeah, yeah, yeah. than that. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, a second one is um, it basically this. It's interesting because this uh, idea of intersectionality is conflating different parts of identity that really aren't that related to each yeah. other. Yeah, exactly. And so basically, so it's identifying these intersections, but it's 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 weird because it's basically saying that. It's comparing race and sexuality and gender as if they're similar because they're all oppressed, but they're all different. Yeah. yeah. Like personally, so yeah. So it kind of treats everything as this sort of inherent trait. So yeah. your actions are an inherent trait and your skin color. Yeah. Where it's like, well, yeah, I can't change my skin color, but I can change how I act on my sexual desires. Right. Exactly. That's a very different thing. Yeah. And in my viewpoint, if it, it basically, you know, puts everything together. So black, gay, all that stuff is just the same thing. And for me, if I was darker skinned, I would be absolutely offended by 
having that being conflated with a sinful lifestyle, which you've addressed in previous videos as to why homosexuality is forbidden in scripture. Um, It also, I mean, it also is big on going against what's called heteronormativity. Mm -hmm. So it's inherently linked, and I've never seen it not linked, with a pro-LGBT viewpoint. Right. So you, it's a bad thing, and a part of oppression is heteronormativity. In other words, saying that it's good to be straight, mm-hmm. and that that's the normal, that that's God's plan, right, would right. be a Christian way of saying it. So it's inherently against that. And so those things are mixed up in this inter- intersectional viewpoint in a way that, for most people, they're, they're treated as the same. Racism and heteronormativity are on the same plane, which is absolutely crazy. Right. Because <laughs> one is terribly evil, racism, and one is not. <laughs> I mean, right. it's saying that God wants us to be express our sexuality only in a marriage that's heterosexual is not hateful. Yeah, and yeah. people tie their identity to that, that sexual attraction, and yeah. basically because we come at, we say Scripture teaches this, they that's feel oppression. personally yeah. attacked and oppressed because we're speaking with and, and, and what a horrible yeah. worldview to to keep someone from ever hearing the truth about why they're so unfulfilled and so unhappy, right. why they feel so guilty, whatever the things that we cover up with medication and all that. If if they didn't have, we weren't taught this kind of viewpoint. They might actually listen to the Bible and say, "Wait." Am I living in a way that's contrary to God's will? Mm-hmm. But these kind of viewpoints are used by, by Satan to cloud people's thinking and to put everything in the category of hatred and oppression instead of the truth and freedom. Right, yeah. Yeah, so that, that leads us to a third reason to reject intersectionality. And the third reason is this prescriptive element is bad because it turns victimhood into a virtue, as, yeah. it, as if... There, it's strange to think that people are saying on the one hand that being oppressed is a terrible thing. Being part of these oppressed groups brings negative outcomes. Yet at the same time, in, in spite of this oppression, they want to highlight the fact that they're part of this group because it actually gives them advantages. Yeah. Yeah. And so so <laughs> I, I remember as a kid on the SATs or whatever, people would be like, oh, put like your Asian or your Hawaiian, whatever, you yeah. know, because you'll get more stuff. And I, I don't know if that was true, but yeah. that was the perception. And then you look at, you know, how things have been played out. There was a time when people would want to, people of color, to use that, I hate that phrase, but people that are darker skinned would want to pass as white because that would confer certain benefits, clearly, right? Now you have people wanting to pass as black, or as whatever, you know, um, people like Rachel Dolezal very famously, right, who faked being black for a long time. There's another head of some other, I think, NAACP chapter that was the same story. Uh-huh. It pretended, right, you have Elizabeth Warren saying she's mm-hmm. a Native American <laughs> right. when she's one one thousand twenty fourth. All these things where, um, you know, we could go into the specifics of those, but the overall point is there's actually a benefit conferred to being able to say that you're a victim in our culture. And that's very concerning because that's, that's again, focusing people on what they don't have and on aggravating past wounds and past, right? The Bible doesn't tell us to do this. It tells us to forgive. It teaches us to forgive and to take responsibility and to strive to bless others and honor others and to be thankful for the things we have, right? Even if you are in a terrible situation, to be thankful and grateful instead of envying someone who has more. And so it's kind of always shaping people's viewpoints to, 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 to focus on victimhood and to lift that up and to talk about it all the time. Right. It's, it's bad for society. Yeah, yeah not good. 
Um, and that leads to the fourth, which is that the intersectionality, the, the main thrust is that people should be treated differently because of their race, class, gender, sexuality, uh, able status, all those different things. And that is the textbook definition of the biblical sin of partiality. Yeah. And so saying that people should be treated differently based on most, not all of them are, but mostly inherent characteristics to who someone is, then you're, you're doing exactly what God says he himself does not do yeah. and tells us not to do in scripture. And so just to look at a few passages that talk about this idea, um, one is in Acts chapter 10. So when Peter's speaking to Cornelius, um, Acts chapter 10, 34 and 35, uh, Peter says this. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And so this is saying that in this context, it's the Gentiles, but anyone in the whole world, no matter what race they are, God, if they follow God, he yeah. will accept them. He will treat them the same. Yeah. God is not partial. Praise God for that. Because right? <laughs> yeah. in this instance, it would be you and me that would be on the outside, right? Because right? exactly. we're Jews. Right. And we're, you know, in a, a place very distant from this. So the fact that God's plan is to, to extend his love to all different people groups is the only reason we have hope right. to be Christians, you know? Yeah. And so it's not only on race. You could look to James chapter 2. Um, I don't know if I'll read the whole thing, but James chapter two basically says that uh, the people in the church should not treat people differently based on their wealth. It shouldn't. You shouldn't be giving the good seats to the wealthy people and then tell poor yeah. people to go sit in the back. So the way the people's income should not affect how we treat them as people. We yeah. should love people and uh, love them as brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, regardless of their wealth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so that and that the idea of partiality there, right, is it can be applied to different situations. So the reason yeah. you have to think about the reason why they would want someone wealthy to be in their mm -hmm. midst because they thought there's some sort of status or benefit they could get they could garner from having this person in their midst. Right. Probably donations too, but I think it was more about oh man, like look at how important we are because we have this person with us, right. and we can do that in a lot of different ways today. Absolutely. You know, I've been to churches where it's like oh, like we have you know people of this color or that color, and we're we're constantly focusing on that. And while I want to rejoice in people that are at our church and, and obviously be open to everyone, uh, I'm not going to put someone forward as a prop and, and right. think of them as, well, that now we're going to be seen as better because we have people of these ethnic groups. It's really gross. Yeah, it's it's selfish, basically yeah. using this person to prop yourself up rather yeah. than loving them exactly. as a person. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so a third verse just to look at, which is really foundational, Galatians 3.28 says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And so all those distinctions have effectively, you can distinguish between them, but the significance is that all are one in Christ Jesus. We don't yeah. have to treat one another differently because God has made us one in Christ. Yeah. The dividing it's wall It's not that distinctions gone. are gone totally. Yeah. It's that 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 they're all insignificant in terms of the gospel and right. how God welcomes us into exactly. his family. And praise God for that. Yeah, so praise God that he sent his son Jesus to die for us no matter who we are, what oppressed group we're in. And so um, no matter what sin you struggle with, even if you are someone that has really uh, fallen for this viewpoint and this partiality, there's grace. God forgives. And so run to Jesus. Amen.